0: Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are unveiling the dual nature of habits, how habits can boost your success or block your growth. What is your habitual power play? Striking a balance and cultivating self-awareness can help you leverage the positive aspects of your habits while addressing those that may be holding you back. Let's face it, we all have habits and routines that guide us throughout our lives. But let's be clear. A habit is a behavior done with little or no thought, while a routine is a series of actions regularly followed. Both can straighten out the twists and curves of a day or leave us in a mindless rut. The line can be very thin. While habits can be powerful tools for success, it's essential to be mindful of negative habits that may hinder progress. Who doesn't love a good morning shower brainstorm? This would be a routine that I see as beneficial warm water, and a mindless routine that provides a distraction-free meeting of the mind. Now, if you could just take notes, that would be super helpful. I usually have endless great ideas that I can hardly remember after the tallying off process. What about you? Do you have a morning routine that you relish? Sugar-free vanilla or better yet, pumpkin spice creamer would be my habit that isn't contributing in a positive way. As we proceed, think about your daily routines and habits to explore what might need further evaluation. Over at CNBC Make It, I found some popular thoughts to get us started. Your key to success, says Attention Expert, the difference between habits and routines. Your New Year's resolution this year might never become a true habit. But that's okay, according to Nir Al, a best-selling author and behavioral design expert. Al works with companies to build habit-forming products, whether it's helping patients take medication on a schedule or getting people to regularly use a product for learning a new language. He's also the author of Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life which focuses on how we break habits associated with distraction. In Al's mind, being able to harness your attention is the most important skill of the century, but it's not something we formally learn, which is also what makes it so crucial to understand better. The first step toward being less distracted in the pursuit of our goals, including New Year's resolutions, is to understand what can and can't become a habit. The trouble in Isle's eyes is simple. We want to turn everything into a habit without understanding the fundamental difference between a habit and a routine. The definition of a habit is the impulse to do a behavior with little or no conscious thought. Most of the things that people want to turn into a habit will never be a habit. Meanwhile, a routine is a series of behaviors frequently repeated. Eventually, some routines can become habits, but not every routine can be. Approximately 45% of our daily behaviors are habits, like where we eat meals each day or how we get ready for bed. So the logic goes, if only we could figure out a way to hack our New Year's resolutions and turn them into habits we'd be well on our way to completing them without even thinking about it. But habits are just that, instinctual, performed without thought, and largely subconscious. Accomplishing a new goal will always take some degree of effort, even if it's something you do regularly, like going to the gym or riding. If a behavior is effortful, it can't be a habit by its very definition, Isle says. We need to stop telling people everything can become a habit. It can't. All the while, there's a wide cultural emphasis on the ease and importance of building habits rather than routines. I'll notes that the problem isn't merely a matter of semantics. What happens is people say, oh, I read this book that told me I can turn everything to a habit. And then after a month or two, they look back and say, wait a minute, this isn't easy. This isn't autopilot. But the book told me this was something I could put on autopilot. From there, the problem snowballs, Al says. People think there must be something broken, not in the methodology, but in me. And so, they give up altogether. And now we leave them worse off than when we started. Instead of aiming for habits, he says, people should focus more on building routines, since by definition, routines acknowledge the difficulty of changing patterns. If we tell people, look, some behaviors are going to be hard, always if you're doing them right, Aisle says that's better than teaching people that things can be somehow easy, which is a subliminal emphasis on habits. Aisle adds that many people assume that when they feel bad about a new behavior they're trying to develop, it's inherently a bad thing. If you feel bad, you're getting better, he says. Expect it to be hard. Many of these behaviors require us to put in effort. We shouldn't think that there's a magical formula that can turn anything into an automatic, second-nature habit in just three steps. Rather, these are tools to help you deal with the inevitable discomfort that is going to come from getting better at something. I love a good routine. Yes, I do like a little spontaneity here and there, but a nice routine, something reliable that you can count on, is so cozy and comforting. Morning routines are the best. Even if you don't like to get up, or if you get up in the morning and you're rushing around late for work and you can't get things going, maybe mornings aren't your best time of the day. I, for one, get up a little earlier so that I have plenty of time to take it easy. So I get up, I make my coffee or tea. It really depends on the morning. And as I mentioned in the opener, I love a good creamer. So I get that all ready to go. And then I go to my favorite chair, lean back, and I grab a good book. I love to read, especially first thing in the morning. Just gets me started without being in such a rush. What are your daily routines? If you think about it now, which time in the day do you have more routines? Maybe you have a busy family and it's all about getting the breakfast done, getting the kids ready for school, getting them out the door, getting them to practice. Maybe those are your routines that you've really tightened up to make them efficient but what about some relaxation routines? Do you have routines that aren't based on efficiency, but rather soul-nurturing, something just for yourself? What about meaningful rituals like reading devotionals, scripture, prayer, maybe an uplifting podcast? There are so many, glad you're here with me, But you can type in whatever you're feeling and find a podcast to listen to. Maybe it's a book, an audible book, so that you can lay back and just listen to something. Maybe it's a Bible plan that's walking you through different readings. Some people find it meaningful and relaxing to write letters, keep in contact with people, reach out to loved ones, You know, nowadays we have a text. You could send it immediately instead of having to go to the post office. Do you set aside time for that? What about journaling? Has that become a ritual or a routine for you? Is to journal during the day or sometimes in the morning or at night. Now, if your life feels a little chaotic right now, it may be hard to pinpoint what is a routine or a ritual. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, that's just another thing I have to do. Now I have to identify that. No pressure. But it is a good chance to sort of step back, take a look at your day to see where a routine might be helpful, where adding some time for yourself might be more beneficial. Hey, get it. We all have 24 hours a day. Some manage it better than others, and it depends on where you are in your life. Sometimes routines are important in order to just survive, and sometimes we crave a little bit of structure, and we might have to modify that a bit depending on our season, but it still gives us that comfort to know that we have a reliable and purposeful routine. And Laura LeConf helps with tips on how to design better habits, routines, and rituals, found at nestlabs.com. Many books have been written about building better habits and breaking bad ones. The most famous is probably Atomic Habits by James Clear. But there are other ones, like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, or The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. It's fair to say that people are convinced habits matter. And it makes sense. To maintain a healthy lifestyle, it helps to be able to set some behaviors on autopilot so that you don't have to make a conscious effort every single time. Habits are great for those actions. But most good habits don't start as habits, they start as routines. The main difference between habits and routines is how aware and intentional you are. A habit usually manifests itself as an automatic urge to do something, often triggered by a particular cue. The stronger the connection between the trigger and the habit, the more ingrained the habit. In contrast, routines require deliberate practice. Making your bed in the morning, going to the gym, going for a hike every Sunday, and meditating are all routines that require you to keep conscious practice of them, or they eventually die out. Your brain will not go into automatic mode and walk you to the gym for your weekly hit class. Both habits and routines are regular and repeated actions, but habits happen with little or no conscious thought, where routines require a higher degree of intention and effort. With enough time, Routines can turn into habits, but you need constant repetition to create the habit loop. That loop is a cue, which is choose a trigger to tell your brain to start the routine you want to turn into a habit. The second part of that loop is routine. Execute the routine, ideally starting with a small, actionable chunk. And then the close the loop is reward. Do something enjoyable to tell your brain that this particular action is worth performing again in the future. When it comes to healthy habits, automatically is good. Building a loop is good. But what about the actions where you actually want to push a conscious effort? The ones where you get satisfaction from pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. How can you nurture and maintain more intentionality in short, Break the loop with these actions. We tend to associate rituals with very specific types of activities. Common rites of worship, rites of passage, commemorative rites. Yes, these are rituals, but this is only the narrowest definition of the term. More broadly, the difference between a routine and a ritual is the mindset behind the action. While routines can be actions that just need to be done, like making your bed or taking a shower, rituals are viewed as more meaningful practices that have a real sense of purpose. Rituals don't have to be spiritual or religious. What matters is your level of intentionality. With rituals, you are fully engaged with a focus on the experience of the task rather than its mere completion you are investing your highest levels of energy and consciousness. And you can virtually turn any routine into a ritual by becoming more mindful and making mental space for the action. For instance, when you eat, you could practice paying attention to the textures in the way that you chew. Research actually shows that mindful eating can indeed improve the flavor of the food, making you feel more satisfied. Showering can become an opportunity to become mindful of your body and its connection to your mind. Focus on the sensation of the water on your skin and how your thoughts seem to flow more easily. This way, a simple morning routine can become a morning ritual. Even cleaning the house can be used to become more aware of your body movements and sensations in your muscles and joints. Just look at some of your existing routines and see if you could become more intentional. What about the intentional life? Let's learn more about that. The power of playing with the spectrum of consciousness when performing daily activities is that you don't need to carve extra time for a separate mindful practice. There is lots of research showing the benefits of journaling, yoga, and meditation, but sometimes life gets busy. Turning a daily routine into a daily ritual is an easy way to inject more intentionality into your life, even when you don't have much time or energy. And being aware of your consciousness levels can also help you create better habits. And Laura said, I call this intentional process of scaling up or down your conscious levels when performing daily actions. Just ask yourself, What routines do I want to turn into habits by lowering my intentionality? And what routines do I want to turn into rituals by increasing my intentionality? Hmm, let's talk about that a little bit more. What do you want to turn from a routine to a habit? To do that, we need to lower that intentionality. It needs to become automatic, just off the cuff, autopilot. And then routines to rituals can happen by increasing your intentionality. That means giving it more purpose, more priority. These two simple questions, if you ask them regularly, can help you practice metacognition in a very tangible way. And that's an idea worth playing with. Ah, yes, intention. If you think about it, if you don't have intention, how do you get anything done? I always like to think I'm a person that likes to fly by the seat of their pants. As I mentioned, spontaneity is very cool. I'd like to think of myself as spontaneous. But actually, I'm a list maker. How about you? How do you get your things done throughout the day? What about the week, the month? Do you write your goals down? How in the world do you get things done? Now, however you answered, how far does that get you? Do you accomplish everything you want to accomplish? Do you feel like you have positive habits, comforting routines, and meaningful rituals? No, there is always room for improvement. How often do you check in with your goals to see where you are? It is important to do so. Many of us set a goal at the beginning of the year. I want to do this in a year, but we really don't have any way to track that, except at the end of the year, did we get there? Did we not get there? What can we build in as a positive routine or habit to help us get to our goals? It is important to check in, find out where you are, where should you be in your mind's eye, and how you can get back on track. This should be part of your daily routine. You can definitely write down what your weekly goals are, your monthly, your quarterly, instead of just a yearly goal. That way, when you do check in with yourself, you can say, oh, I'm off a little bit here, a little bit there. Let's get back on track. Versus only having a yearly goal, how would you ever be able to reorganize or modify that goal in order to successfully hit it? So that's one of the things that might be worth adding to your daily or weekly routine. Now let's talk a little bit about habits. Are we ready to talk about those now? What are your healthy habits and what are your bad habits? We all have them. Sometimes those bad habits are easy to notice, and sometimes they're secretive. What about the habits you haven't told anyone about? The ones that you've been keeping to yourself? The one that plagues you, that sits on your consciousness, that tells you you need to do something different? Maybe you even feel shame or guilt about this habit. This could be a pesky little habit, or that could be what you're telling yourself in order to justify keeping it. You know it isn't serving you well, but you aren't ready to let it go. What needs to happen to make a change? Is there advice, an article, an intervention? What needs to happen for you to make a change? Sometimes it's just coming to the end of our rope and trying something different. What if you think about making room for more versus letting go of something you enjoy? Hmm. Stephen Altrog provides 12 morning and evening rituals that will set up each day for success, found at zapier.com. While everyone's routines vary, from writing uncensored pages to starting the day with no social media mornings, The key is to find a routine that works for you and that you can consistently do. Regardless of your morning schedule, here are six of the best ways to start your day and set yourself up for success. Number one, rise early. There are plenty of accomplished night owls, but many high achievers rise early in order to prepare for the day. In those early hours, they can execute their routines while the rest of the world is asleep. Here are some examples. Virginia Group founder Richard Branson wakes up at 5.45 a.m. to kite surf and eat a proper breakfast. Former Pepsi company CEO Indra Nui used to wake up at 4 a.m. to read her emails before getting to work no later than 7.30 a.m. Former Twitter co-founder Jack Dorsey rises at 5.30 a.m. so that he can go for a six-mile jog. Even if they aren't naturally morning larks, the opposite of night owls, they've trained themselves to wake up early for the many benefits an early rise can bring. Those include increased productivity with fewer distractions and greater creativity due to an energized mind. It could make you happier, too. In one study, researchers found that morning-type individuals reported higher levels of positivity and well-being. So here's a tip. Even if you're a night owl, you can train yourself to become a morning person using practical strategies like keeping your curtains slightly open or ditching that second cup of coffee. Number two, make your bed. If there is one habit you should adopt to improve your life, It's making your bed every day. That, at least, is the advice from Navy SEAL Admiral William H. McRaven. He said, If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will have come home to a bed that is made, that you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. It's all about the small things. Number 3. Recite Affirmations Affirmations are positive statements you can use to reframe how you think about yourself and the day to come. They're also helpful to overcoming negative self-talk. A great example of affirmations in action is four-year-old Jessica having a particularly great day, resulting in one of YouTube's greatest hits. Now my whole house is great I can do anything good. I like my school. I like anything. I like my dad. I like my cousins. I like my aunts. I like my Allison's. I like my mom. I like my sisters. I like my dad. I like my hair. I like my haircuts. I like my pajamas. I like my stuff. I like my rooms. I like my whole house whole house is great. I can do anything good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can do anything good. Better than anyone. Better than anyone. And if you're looking for more examples, here are some simple affirmations you could use in your daily life. I'm doing my best, and that's more than enough. I will be promoted to blank you insert the job title by a certain date i don't have confidence i have evidence your aim is to affirm and visualize the things you want to happen as you focus on these things you begin to believe that you can and will achieve them which then enables you to take action on them although it might sound wishy-washy to some Affirmations are effective tools for self-improvement. Number four, get some exercise. There are few things more transformative than starting your day with physical activity. Exercising in the morning increases blood flow, releases endorphins, and strengthens your body. It prepares you for the coming day, increases your overall energy levels, and helps you remain in optimal health. Additionally, Numerous studies have shown that regular exercise can help you manage symptoms of depression and anxiety. And you don't have to work out in a gym to reap the benefits. A brisk walk in your neighborhood or a 7-minute workout or a quick yoga session are all great options to start your day. Number 5: Eat a nutritious breakfast. The food you consume in the morning has a significant effect on your mood, energy levels, and ongoing performance. That's why your first meal of the day should be rich with nutrients. Registered dietitians Jessica Jones and Wendy Lopez recommend staying away from sugar-heavy breakfast bites like croissants and sweetbreads. Instead, they suggest a healthier breakfast mix. Lean proteins, eggs, Greek yogurt, or tofu. Healthy fats, avocado, nut butters, or flax seeds. Complex carbohydrates like oatmeal, steel-cut oats, or whole grain toast. Fruits or veggies. These nutrient-dense foods will give you energy and satisfy your food cravings while setting the stage for good decision-making throughout the day. Number 6. Are you ready for this? Take a cold shower. This one may seem a little extreme, but many people swear by taking cold showers each morning. It's similar to re energizing in a cold plunge, although slightly less frigid. I know this for a fact. Why a cold shower? Some studies show a link between cold exposure and an increase in various brain chemicals associated with well being, like noradrenaline. While research on cold immersion is still emerging, The anecdotal evidence is enough to get these scientists jumping into frigid waters every day. NYU neuroscientist Wendy Suzuki takes cold showers every morning because it makes her feel so alive. Neuroscientist and dopamine researcher Kenneth Kashida comes out the other side of cold showers in a higher spirit. He said it. These might seem like minor things, waking up early, making your bed, saying your affirmations, exercising, eating a good breakfast, and taking a cold shower, but taken together into one constant daily routine, and you're well prepared to face anything that happens after. A morning routine takes the stress out of the start of the day and puts you on the best footing from the get-go. The close of each day is just as important as the start. By implementing evening routines, you minimize the resistance you encounter in getting things done, recharge with a restful night, and ready yourself for the next morning. So here are six evening routines that set the tone for the next day. Number one, prepare goals for the next day. Determining your objectives for the coming day does two things. First, it allows you to identify your most important tasks in advance before all the pressures of the day arrive on your doorstep. Ideally, the first few hours of each day should be spent conquering your most challenging task. This idea has been given various names like eating the frog and slaying the dragon. Second, it allows your brain to begin thinking about all those tasks as you fall asleep. In their book, Organize Tomorrow Today, Eight Ways to Retrain Your Mind to Optimize Performance at Work and in Life, authors Jason Selleck and Tom Bartow and Rudy Matthew say, Identifying daily priorities might seem like an obvious or insignificant step to take, but writing your most important tasks down the previous night turns your subconscious mind loose while you sleep and frees you from worrying about being unprepared. You'll probably find that you wake up with great ideas related to the tasks or conversations that you hadn't even considered. Number two, reflect on your daily achievements. It can be easy to lose sight of your victories after a long day. Taking just a few moments at the end of a day to reflect on and celebrate your wins puts things into perspective and gives you encouragement for the coming day. It can also help you overcome the discouragement that often comes with setbacks. Zen Habits author Leo Babauta puts it this way. If you reflect on the things you did right, on your successes, that allows you to celebrate every little success. It allows you to realize how much you've done right, the good things that you've done in your life. Number three, clear your head. It's easy to take your work to bed, making it difficult to fall asleep as you mull over the stack of paperwork waiting on your desk or the disagreement you had with a coworker. Clearing your head before sleep allows you to put aside the challenges of the day and ready your mind to shut down. There are numerous ways to do this, including meditation, light reading, playing Tetris for productivity, <laughs> watching a peaceful television show. By the way, The Walking Dead probably isn't your best bet. Or journaling, doing a brain dump of all the thoughts that you have in your head. Here is how Buffer CEO Joel Gascon clears his mind and disengages from the day. For me, this is going for a 20-minute walk every evening at 9:30 p.m. This is a wind-down period and allows me to evaluate the day's work, think about the greater challenges. Gradually stop thinking about work and reach a state of tiredness. Your goal is to engage your mind in something completely non-work related. Number four, prepare for the next morning. In order to minimize the amount of thinking you need to do in the morning, take time to prepare things. Pick out your clothes, pack your food, maybe that's your kids' lunches. Prep the coffee maker, and organize any work-related materials you need to bring. If you're going to the gym, lay out your workout clothes and water bottle. The less time and mental energy you expend on in things, the more you'll have for things that matter. Number five, tidy up. Waking up to a messy home isn't the most motivating way to start your day. Without regular sessions, cleaning up and putting things away, you'll find your place can quickly get in disarray. Spending just 10 to 15 minutes a night tidying up will help reduce stress in the mornings and help you avoid marathon cleaning sessions on the weekends. If cleanliness and organization don't come naturally to you, that's okay. Try to do the next small thing. And number six, practice proper sleep hygiene. Very few people practice this, and their sleep suffers as a result. So generally speaking, you should stick to the same sleep and wake schedule, minimize blue light from your screens. This can be done with like some sort of night mode on your mobile device. Set the temperature in your room to between 60 and 65 degrees, and make your room as dark as possible. It can be easy to minimize the importance of sleep, but it's absolutely essential for optimum performance. To develop consistent morning and evening routines, try creating a checklist that you walk through every morning and night until it becomes ingrained. While building routines may feel tedious at first, try to stick with it. The more consistent you are, the more you'll find them seamlessly folding into your daily life, to the point where you may find it hard not to do them. So let's talk about the flip side. Habits, while often beneficial, can also pose challenges and hinder personal growth in various ways. So here are some ways in which habits can block growth. Just want you to be aware of those before we end today. Number one, the comfort zone trap. Habits create comfort, and when they become too ingrained, they can create a comfort zone that resists change. Growth often requires stepping out of this zone and embracing new challenges. So if things are feeling too cozy, it might be time for a change. Speaking of change, number two, they can give you resistance to change. Habits resist change by their very nature. When growth necessitates adapting to new circumstances or acquiring new skills, rigid habits may hinder the flexibility needed for this type of personal development. Number three, the dreaded negative habit. Unhealthy or counterproductive habits can have detrimental effects on personal growth. Habits like procrastination, self-doubt, or excessive self-criticism can impede progress and hinder the pursuit of your goals. Number four, they can also create stagnation Habits, if not regularly reassessed, can lead to a sense of stagnation. Growth requires a continuous process of learning, adapting, and evolving, which may be hindered by sticking to the same old, same old routines. Number five, limiting beliefs. Habits can reinforce limiting beliefs about one's capabilities. If habits are formed based on past experiences or self-perceptions, they may create barriers to exploring new possibilities and realizing untapped potential. Let's take my limiting belief, I hate exercise. Now that's not really true, but if I keep telling myself that over and over, how in the world am I gonna create an exercise habit? Number six, lack of exploration. Being too tied to existing habits Might prevent individuals from exploring new interests, industries, or perspectives. Growth often involves stepping into the unknown and embracing unfamiliar experiences. Number seven, mindless habits. Engaging in habits mindlessly, without reflection, can lead to missed opportunities for growth. Being unaware of the impact of habits on personal development may result in missed chances for improvements. So even though habits are comforting when they're just such a routine that you don't even think about them, taking a step back to really look at what your intentions are is important. And number eight, failure to adapt. In a rapidly changing world, adaptability is a crucial trait for growth. Habits that resist change may hinder an individual's ability to adapt to new circumstances and capitalize on emerging opportunities. So stay flexible, stay intentional, and take a look at your habits, routines, and rituals. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, regularly assess and adjust your habits, especially when pursuing personal or professional growth. Remember, Developing a growth mindset means being open to change and consciously cultivating habits that align with your growth objectives. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. threw until the path was